Welcome in. You are listening to another episode of KeepTheChange.co.nz's Money Mail. A very, very interesting week this week because the data doesn't seem to line up and that's what we're going to be discussing. We've got a bit of future pop and tags there because apparently, reading an article this morning, that is not what many Kiwis are doing. I keep a close eye on the card data when it comes out because I always think, well, that's a good indication of what people are actually doing with their money and with their cards, right? Now, Stats New Zealand figures this week show that total card spending fell by 0.3% in October, while retail spending dropped by 0.7%. The softness in spending is notable as it comes as population growth is continuing to surge. That is from interest.co.nz, this article. So you're thinking, well... 0.33% whipped shit, Luke, and then 0.7% in the retail space. Come on, mate, like that's not much. Well, then counter that by the fact that the population is growing. So we've spoken about previously, we've got artificial-ish type growth with a lot of these numbers because as we've had so many people come into the country, what are they going to do? They need to get a buy, they're going to need to buy shit, they're going to need to spend, they're going to need to get their cards out, right? So it's been countered by people... When I say counted, I mean it's been counteracted as such in terms of spending decreasing by people coming in. If we stripped out all those people coming in, then what would it look like? Okay, making sense? Cool. Now also remember, a lot of the times that some of the data you read won't be adjusted for inflation. Why that is important is because you might look at a number and go, oh, number get bigger, that favorite Kiwi game, number get bigger, I happy, house price go yes, up, up, up. Now we do the same thing with when we're looking at spending and things like that. Oh, I spent 100 bucks on Christmas this year. Well, actually, no, I spent a, you know, $105 this year, but I only spent $100 last year. Oh, yeah, but what was inflation? And then there's the, the hard thing about tax as well. You're paying for things that are after tax dollars. So all of this stuff becomes very, very confusing. But there's a good paragraph in here which I will show you in a second but it's also got a couple of different economists from around the country now are they good at what they do but if they're from the banks you would expect they will have good card data themselves too right so Westpac senior economist Satish Ranchhood says New Zealand's retail sector is clearly turning down now they wouldn't just rely on stats data I wouldn't have thought surely they can pull data any one time. I can pull data on my clients on their transacting and how their business is going in real time. I can then ring them and say, hey, what don't I know about? Do you have some contracts coming up, etc." So if I can do that with my minimal resources, but with the beauty of things like zero, I'd imagine these banks have got fucking sophisticated, sexy dashboards and all sorts of shit behind the scenes to keep an eye on how things are going. Anyway, back to Stats New Zealand. They say that October total electronic and card spending dropped on a seasonally adjusted basis by 0.3%. Retail spending by 0.7%, which is what we talked about, while core retail spending, which excludes fuel and motor vehicles, also dropped 0.7%. 
These monthly spending figures have been quite volatile, but the general emerging trend appears to be for slowing spending, particularly on discretionary items. Now, what else we got in here? Ranch Hood, so from Westpac, the softness in spending is notable as it comes at the same time as population growth is continuing to surge. Today's population updated from Stats NZ showed that the net migration hit a fresh record high in the year to September, with inflows into the country exceeding departures by nearly 119,000 people. However, a lot of Kiwis leaving. Now that's subject for, there's so much, fuck, there's about 62 podcasts all in this article. Anyway, I'm going to take you to the ASB senior economist, Kim Mundy. Says it's becoming increasingly clear that households are pulling back on spending in the face of prolonged cost of living pressures. More recently, the easing in the labour market and less rosy employment outlook is likely to be adding to consumer caution. Again, people are like, oh, maybe people are going to lose their jobs. Anyway, Monday added that on an annual basis, retail card spending is now also falling, minus 2% year on year. On an annual basis, it's coming back. This is where it gets interesting. Given that card spending is not adjusted for inflation, which rose roughly 5.5% over the same time frame, the decline in retail card spending is likely closer to 7% down year on year. Wowza. Does that make sense? So what we're what this economist is basically saying is that year on year, the retail card spending is down 7%. Now, of course... We're about to jump into the time of Christmas and the festive season and all these sales that you fall into because all the email lists get hit. Here's our White Tuesday sale or some shit. Oh, great. They put a name on it. I better fucking spend some money. Brilliant. Oh, I've been waiting for this sale. Yeah, okay. Et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, this is just all marketing tactics. The more you learn about this stuff, you realize, oh, okay, cool. I can see this now, but we don't learn about this stuff. So then you don't see it. And so then you go through life thinking, oh, I am winning. I'm getting a bargain here. But anyway, again, another podcast topic. Now, this is you know not great if you're in the retail space, of course. And interestingly, recently we've seen some data that says that 40% of businesses that started since 2020, basically pandemic time in that e-commerce, retail online space, 40% of them have been liquidated. Gonski. Now, no, sorry, it's 20, 25%, basically, roughly. So roughly a quarter of them are gone already. Now, liquidations are up 40%, that's that stat, 40% on a year ago. What that means, people closing their businesses down, closing their companies down, and being done with it, basically. So there is a lot of closure happening because the bubble is popped, right? And there's not this loose money everywhere for people just to go, hey, buy my fucking upside-down chair that is amazing. Oh, that's so cool. I've always wanted one of those. Yeah, I'll take two. Now, why would I need an upside down chair that is not practical at all and I don't really like art so no, I don't want one just because my favourite influencer posted one. So clearly the data is backing up that that is happening, right? These businesses are closing, the card data is decreasing. Now what I can't reconcile is how do the Warriors have full stadiums? Now we probably do know that, right? Because people are like, fuck yeah, finally some success and they're getting in behind it and the crowds aren't astronomical in terms of they're not like an 80,000 person stadium for instance but they're still getting people there is what I'm trying to say and they've got to get there they've got to commute there they've got to pay for parking when they get there maybe they've got, they've got to pay for a train or something might have a beer before they go might have a few beers when they get there might go out after it's not just the event it's the things that go with it and then oh it might head into the viaduct after well bang 15 bucks per beer 
Uber after, oh, that'd be cheap. Oh, taxi, you've had too many. They fucking don't mind being like, oh, that's 50 bucks, mate. Oh, yeah, okay, just tap here, and you're just actually down the road. Story for another day. Now, same thing. Mission, Robbie Williams in the Hawke's Bay. I hear it was cranking down there, absolutely hissing. And people obviously have money to spend, right? So it is, well, some people. Now, those people are going to keep spending. Remember, too, there's a big part of the population that are benefiting from interest rates going up. They've got more disposable income than they normally would because they're those types of people that go, oh, fuck the stock market. I'm not investing. Like, no, no, no. I just I just stack my money and they keep it in the bank and it slowly gets eroded by inflation. But that, they're cool with that. That's their thing. Now, they're like, oh, wow, I'm getting 6% in a term deposit. Kill 2% for tax, say. You got 4%. 100 grand in there well there's an extra four thousand dollars at the end of the year but you might get it paid out weekly or monthly or quarterly so for some people it might be hard for us to understand because we might not be sitting on large pools of cash but for some people they are so suddenly you go well that's a million dollars for instance well there's 40 grand net that they can be clearing now they'll have that in a pie fund I'd imagine if they're doing it that way to get capped the tax at 28 but if we just still shave 2% 2% off, you know, we've got 6%, shave 2% for tax, we've got 4% left, million bucks in there, 40 grand, boom far. You know, 800 bucks-ish per week that they've got to spend. So maybe I will go to the Robbie Williams concert, etc. So you can see where the economy is very, very tricky to understand because most of the time we look at things from our perspective and our lens, right? Our level of income, our household, the jobs we have, our partners have, whether we have kids, how many we have, where we live, what rent is where we live, what we're paying for, how we can live frugally versus someone else, all those sorts of things. And, you know, that is, that's often how we see the world. Someone sent me a brilliant thing this week about how they buy, say, a kilo of bacon and they cut it down into 200 gram packs and stuff. For me, I'm just like, fuck, I would never go to that level of, detail but that's a great hack for some people and so I I don't begrudge that but I don't live like that anymore I'm thinking you know how can I afford the two kilos of bacon if I need it or the 10 packets of 200 you know so I'm trying to train my mind to think bigger and abundance however I'm not saying that that you shouldn't do the things where you are going right where can we save money but eventually you want to if, if you go on the journey of changing the vehicle of income and things like that and seeing the world differently, you get out of that scarcity type play and stop looking for the 10 cent and 20 cent savings and go, or even $2 and go, how can I make $200 this week? Things like that. So there's a that's a big mindset shift in that you become somebody different through doing something like that anyway. But I do not begrudge on, and I love those tips that people have for different ways to in their life to try and save some money and put my old money back into their back pocket and that's the thing is then cool what do you do with it from there but again you can see how we live in such a different time economically and some of this stuff is really confusing but also we'll confuse it with our own lens of sort of how we do things but anyway in a long story short there it doesn't seem to reconcile people are spending they're going to things the my brain goes to Business fundamentals. Now, money exchanges hands when value exceeds price. What that means is if you've got something valuable and it exceeds what it costs, the value exceeds that vol- uh, the monetary amount, people will go, yep, I'm going to come. So that they obviously saw going to Robbie Williams and paying $18 for a glass of wine or whatever it was, probably 80 bucks for a bottle of wine, you know, at the massive margins and stuff, they saw that as, yep, this is definitely valuable to me. He's a valuable person. He's an entertainer. 
and people want to feel entertained. They want to feel happy. They want to feel excited, like they're having fun. And I think that's why some of these events are doing really well. Same thing, the weekend comes to New Zealand, or was going to. I think they were all sold out, had to put on another show. Unfortunately, now he can't come. But for me, that's just, that's so confusing because I think, well, a lot of those people going will be teenagers. Where are they getting the cash from? Are they saying to their parents, I need to go to this? Same thing with all these Kiwis flying to Taylor Swift, for instance. They've got to pay, they've got to get accommodation, they've got to get the concert tickets. They might take somebody else as well because they don't want to go on their own. You know, that is a lot of coin. But people still seem to have it. So it's very confusing. However, the card data is telling us that the tap, tap, tapping is starting to decrease at quite a rapid rate. So my conclusion after all of that is basically that maybe Kiwis are prioritizing experiences and fun over things in a store and shoes and different things like that because they're probably craving a sense of having fun and getting something in return because things can be feeling quite dreary out there and hard, so you want to reward yourself, right? Now, a very quick story, I remember when I had a very hard job, I would look forward to on a Friday drinking heaps of piss to almost forget about how hard that was. Now, looking back, I'm like, wow, that doesn't sound very healthy, Luke. Uh, But at the time, I was so excited for the Friday, and what box of, what was I getting back then, those green things, tattoos, I would be getting, and then even to some 10% Cody's as I graduated through the different types of uh, cans but not a good habit right in the moment though I didn't know I was learning but be careful because we do we still do this not with the drinking hopefully but no doubt that happens but you find things to spend your money on to repay how hurt you've been through doing the shit that you're doing to try and make sense of it if I could just get through to Friday then I'll go and do this or pay for this why not solve the underlying underlying cause? Did I need to stay in that job forever? No, thank fuck I didn't. But did I learn a lot through it? Did I learn, okay, I, there's an end point to this. I just have to get through it. Yes. Did I wrap bad habits around it to cope? Yes. But be careful because we all do these things and we continue to do them in other areas of our life as well. And a lot of people do it with their spending. It's 14 and a half minutes and we haven't even gotten into this week. So let's do that. This week, are Kiwis getting poorer? Now, hence why I just gave you all of that info, because then this is another set of info, and you go, well, jeepers, creepers, okay? So we'll discuss that at the end again. Remember in January when we took a look at the hiding Kiwis were taking to their net worth? Well, it's gotten worse, but you probably already knew that. To remind you, net worth is your assets minus your liabilities. Liabilities, stupid accounting term for debts. Every month, I go through a process of calculating my own net worth. I just sent out all those budget templates yesterday. Someone replied and said that they're fucking horrible, so shout out to that person. Cheers. There are actually some really positive ones as well, so the positives were probably four to the one. Hopefully, you may have picked up this habit as well. Statistics New Zealand regularly do the same calculation for all New Zealand households. For people and for the country, we hope that over time, assets will trend up and debts trend down. That's what most people are usually looking for. Can they clear some of their debt? And can they increase their assets? Now, I'll prove that right. When people get a house, they're constantly looking at what's the house worth? What's my mortgage worth? I want my mortgage to decrease. I want my house to increase. If that's your only asset and your only form of debt, as your house increases and your debt decreases, the piece in the middle is effectively your equity, your net worth, whatever accounting term we want to put on it. So Stats New Zealand review that quarterly. 
I might even be more regularly than that. And I do it monthly. Businesses report on it annually without even probably knowing that they do it. Shareholders read up about it. So I think it's a good habit for all of us to be thinking about. You know, If it makes sense for all of these people, why doesn't it make sense for us individually? The bank want you to do it. They want you to do it when you go and apply for debt. They're like, hey, let's see a statement of financial position. All that is is assets minus liabilities. No one's taught you about this because, ah, fuck, we wouldn't want to empower you to understand this shit, would we? Nah, probably not. But anyway, I do it monthly and I have a spreadsheet to track that. And the purpose is to just see where things are at and good monthly kind of check in and see what I've invested in, see where investments are at, see where debts are at and go, right, any different decisions I need to make in this next month or over the next 30 days, 90 days, one year, five years, etc. So it gets you refocusing. Back to it. At the end of the June quarter, New Zealand has a total of $2177 billion in combined household net worth. This is all assets owned by Kiwi households less the value of their debts. Remember that asset values are always moving though, so people haven't lost this money as such because this number is coming down, but their assets are just being repriced by the market and this happens 24-7. Yesterday I posted something about Bitcoin dropping 5% in one day. If that were people's assets, well that would be a drop in their asset value and then impact their net worth, right? Much like KiwiSaver, your house, your shares, etc. At the height of the asset bubble and before things started to really turn the other way, the total household net worth was around $2432 billion. So now we're at 2177, a fairly sizable decrease, huh? Now I think that was November, December-ish, 2021. Now most of this is due to house prices retreating, especially in New Zealand. You know, we've, we've known that house prices have been coming down for some time, but data suggests that house prices have started to inch back up in New Zealand in May to June. Recently, stocks in KiwiSaver have been getting hit so this may offset any increase in house prices. So what I'm saying there is since May, June, because this data only goes to the end of June, so September's is already finished. Now, house prices have started to go up again nominally, so in whole dollar values. We talked about this at the start. If you adjusted it for inflation, anyway, combo for another day. So it's increasing in terms of the values, but stocks and KiwiSaver and whatnot have been getting hit. Cryptos have been increasing, so what's going to happen when they measure this at the end of September? That's going to be an interesting set of data to keep an eye out for. I don't know when we will get there. Are we going to continue to decrease or are we going to start to hold steady? Now this bubble deflating has been a good reminder that in 2020 and in 2021, we truly were living in unique times where household net worth was increasing at breakneck speed. During the real bubbly time that we all got so hooked on, from March 2020 to December 2021, household net worth went up by something crazy like $620 billion. Now, just on that, I was messaging Mikey last night and it was, I think, eight something at night and we were both, I sent a photo of me doing some shit on my laptop and he is he's still at his office, going here, same brother, and... I'd literally been thinking about how, fuck me, I've put in some mahi this year in just different avenues and it still felt hard. And this is what Mike and I were basically getting at is he said to me, think about how fucking hard you have this year. I reckon if I put this year's effort into the 2021 market, I would have a 750k income easily. I mean, I hope he doesn't mind me reading that out. Most people don't have the ability to think forward, so I just in this slog to stay afloat. Now, I know exactly what he means because I spend a lot of time talking with Mikey so I understand what he's trying to say there. 
uh, me to say, tell you what, if we come out the other side of this and I don't hit my income target, I'm going to be fucked off. Now, you know, I, I've been thinking about the same thing of just how much effort has gone into this year, but the return, like the returns have been amazing. However, completely understand what Mikey's saying. It was almost like if I remember going fishing in the Naki one time and they talk about how you can catch blue cod and they, we would just chuck a line down and you'd catch something. And I was like, this is fucking ridiculous. I didn't realize that it was this easy. So I thought, you know, I'm not even going to put any bait on. And I just put it down and the people I was with were like, pissed off at me, fucking idiot. And literally, bang, pull one up. I'm like, here you go. Oh, okay. Now, I never forget that because that's a little bit like 2021 when the economy was just hissing and there was so much cash out there and people were fucking NFTing and just, you name it, going to 20 people at bloody open homes, freaking out, I need to get in. And it was just unrelenting. But I don't think, people can probably now look back and go, yeah, wow, that was pretty wild. But I think a lot of people think we're going to go back there. Are we? Don't know. You know, it would take a lot of money printing and stuff. But it was quite easy. And one thing I've been saying to clients a lot over the last 18 months is, please understand that you need to go to the market. The market isn't going to come to you anymore. What I mean by that is basically I could put my fishing rod down with no bait on it and bang, there would be a cod on there. What the fuck? That shouldn't happen. But that was what was happening for a lot of people. The market was just coming to them. They were buying the upside down chair, buying the shit that they didn't need because they just had, they felt so wealthy and were in such a bubble. Now, not so much. You've got to go the other way. I probably have to fucking dive in to that Taranaki water, swim down there to the maximum that my breath can take and then go a little bit deeper, grab onto that cod. Then there's a fucking shark trying to bite me. I swim, dodge that just to get to the top and I bloody let the fish go and then I've got to try and get it again and I finally catch it and I throw it into the boat and... I try and clamber back in and I go, ah, I can go again. Let me catch my breath. That is kind of what it is like now. That's what it feels like if you're in business and if you're out there grinding. Now, I know a lot of my brothers and sisters in the construction space, you would have just loved that analogy. I've talked to two of you this week who are like, I'm fucking burnt out, man. I just cannot wait for Christmas. Now, when someone tells me they're burnt out, I get really worried because A, I wonder where has that language come from? Two, what does it mean? And C, what are you going to do about it? Because you've got to look after yourself because, like I said, you've got to get back on that boat, catch the breather, and then get yourself ready to think, okay, one fish ain't going to feed the family. I need to dive back into that cold Taranaki water, get down there again, and fucking battle with that shark and catch that next cod to get it back up to the boat. If you can't keep getting yourself mentally ready to do that, it makes it very hard to do that. Now, what Mikey is basically telling me is, He's done the reps. We both did the reps mentally that this was going to be tough and that it's still going to be tough, but we're ready for that so it doesn't feel as hard. So when he's working at 8 p.m., he's not messaging me complaining. He's like, this is fucking, like, this is what it's going to take. But if it was 2020, 2021, it wouldn't have taken this much. I'd probably already be there or it would be easier. So a lot of people got hooked on the bubbly time but didn't think, shit, we're in a bubble. We're not in reality. I need to get my mind ready for what it's going to be like outside of the bubble. Geez, there are some lessons in this. Anyway, let's keep going because that wasn't even part of it. It was just fucking tangent for a change. The current decline in this bubble could be seen by many to be positive as we revert back to the mean, which is geeky statistics talk for slower rates of upward trends believed to be more sustainable for all of these assets. Of course, this is little comfort for people continuously tracking their net worth and sweating on it only ever increasing. So if you're looking at your net worth all the time, and you only want it to increase, or any asset price, 
you're going to give yourself some form of anxiety or something because it's just not how markets work and they're constantly getting repriced and they'll go up and they'll down and go down and that's why I love posting myself on Instagram about my shares going down and shit so I can be vulnerable and realistic and be like well look you know this is fucking I brought at the top of the market again because other people can then understand oh okay shit this is the reality of it not like hey, how to turn $100 into $10,000 and I can teach you how to do the same thing. You think like, oh my God, it's that easy. It's fucking must just, you know, sweet. Now, it's just not, that's not how the world works, not how markets work. Yep, sure, some people are probably you know, really good at these things and do have those stories and can get them done. But look at that one yesterday, uh, last week we talked about the share price going up by 60%. I sold out of that FYI and had to pay 25 bucks in shares fees to get rid of it. Now, people are emailing straight away like, what's the stock, what's the stock, what's the stock? And I'm like, well, like, why, why does it matter? I told you in the podcast what it was, but people email, like, I don't know, it's just confusing because, well, you can't then go and buy it. Well, I guess you could if you wanted to, but the, it's been and gone. But people are fascinated by it, like a big win or a quick win, right? But those things are usually few and far between in someone's life. So again, zoom out and be realistic about this stuff. And remember that habits are what you want to master, not an obsession that your asset values only ever increase. It's a good time to remember this gem as well. You are your greatest asset, not your fucking house. We need to get that out of Kiwi's minds that their house is their greatest asset. That is stupid. You you earn the income to pay for your house. Therefore, you are more valuable than the house. Now, that's just we've just been fed this like you own your own home and all that stuff. But let's be honest here. And this is why as well, there's people that are like, you own nothing and be happy. I get that and I get why that pisses people off. A lot of the people that worry about that don't even own anything already. Well, then just focus on getting happy or owning some shit so then you can actually be dark about that. It just seems bizarre. You don't own anything and then you're already pissed off about how we're going to own nothing and be happy. Well, you're already there. So wouldn't you just go, well, actually, that's not applicable to me. But instead, we're like, fuck, I better comment that on social media. I know what's going to happen. Now, as well, for a lot of people, you know, they own their own home, but really the bank owns it. You own the mortgage. You own the right to repay the mortgage. And the difference is your equity that you might be eligible for by the time you pay your real estate agent. That's what you're going to get. And the legal fees, that's the difference is what you're going to get and you're going to have sitting in cash. And then what are you going to do with it? So I don't know. I just feel like we've been sold this marketing dream around houses and stuff. And you've heard me talk about this a number of times, but just think critically about this stuff so to get so wound up in what your house is worth and make decisions about your how you feel and your self-worth and all this shit like step back to what you really have in that process and think is that actually worth it you know is that what I'm going to tie my identity to fucking box of sticks dare I say it again that I don't actually own I own the mortgage to maybe you'll get to the freehold point that'd be great you own the mortgage, the right to the mortgage to repay the mortgage. And like, let's be honest, you lose your job, right? You have no income coming in. The bank ain't going to be like, oh, fucking so sorry to hear that, Luke. Just let us know when you get another job. And um, yeah, we'll, you know, we'll touch base in a couple of years. Why don't you just take some time off, actually? Sounds like it's been pretty stressful. Take a couple of years off and don't, don't worry about repaying us. Uh, don't think so. They're going to be like, hey, look, here are some solutions. But the key thing is here that you pick one and stick to it because we want you to keep paying us. So do you own your own house or does the bank own you and your house? Tangent again. But again, 
don't be triggered by that. Just like think critically about the stuff and go, yeah, okay, I'd never really thought about it from that angle. So yeah, why then am I getting so wound up about what my house price is worth? Why don't I figure out my own value and how one day I could be valuable enough to earn enough to pay off my home and be like, well, fuck you, Luke. Now I do own this bitch. So yeah, now what? Now what? Fuck the bank, etc. You know, that's probably the mongreling you that you want rather than I'm a homeowner and I'm my self-worth is amazing and therefore I'm so wealthy in this country. That's my greatest asset. What about yourself? You're holding yourself too short. The only reason the house price is increasing too is because we can't build them fast enough. People are coming in and we keep increasing the money supply so people are trying to put their money into housing to avoid having it eroded by inflation. Well, like anyone can do that. Well, not anyone can do that, but you know what I mean, right? Like it's not like you've figured out some fucking magic genius thing to do. It's literally a forced behavior because of the way that the, uh, the country's set up with housing. So to think that that's your greatest strength and asset, that's, who taught you that? Anyway, let's keep going. It's not always about house prices or even economic growth, net worth and bank balances. Reminder as well from MoneyMail134 if you haven't listened to that, how about stacking and growing these? Happiness, progress, gratitude, knowledge, love, mental strength, physical strength, leadership, your own income, relationships, dreams and goals, inner peace. Those things help you become more valuable and that's where you become your greatest asset, not believing this bullshit that it is your house. Finances and money aren't always about number go up as well. We talked about that at the start. Habits and consistency are key, i.e. investing, contributing to KiwiSaver if that's your thing, paying loans down faster than you need to or are required to, but you do the work and you think, fuck yeah, I don't want to pay that mortgage back over 30 years. I want to figure out how I can do it over 27, then it becomes 24, then it becomes 14, then it becomes 7, then you become the person who tells everyone I did it in 7 years and they go, that's not possible and you go, well, have a look at what I did to do that and one day you tell them you started at thinking maybe you could do it in 27, but you continue to compound your education and then you can teach other people to do the same thing as well. Even things like removing access to consumer credit, becoming a new version of yourself that doesn't rely on that shit. So this bubble deflating is realistically no cause for concern for most people. Unless, of course, if you need the assets liquid, which means like spendable soon, then you probably shouldn't be invested in risky assets. Now, what I mean by this is basically if your KiwiSaver was going down because the markets are going down and you're planning on using that money to buy a home in the next year or even probably two years, I think people talk about two to three years, you probably don't want it to be in high volatile risky assets. You probably don't want to have your house deposit tied up in buddy Bitcoin, do you? Because when you log on and see that, shit, I had 100 grand sitting there and in five, the value just went down by 5%, you're going to be like, holy shit, I just had 5% chewed off of my house deposit. And so that's going to freak you out. So that is basically what that means, right? You know, is over the long term, yes, people want to be invested in things, whatever those asset types are. But if you're going to need that cash, liquid or spendable soon, you probably don't want to be having it tied up in risky, risky things. This is why all of this stuff is so important to understand for every one of us individually. I can't stress that enough. How many times people ask me questions, I'm like, I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not your decision maker. I'm not the, hey, Luke replies to Instagram messages. That's really nice. Let's ask him about what we should do with our life. Um and what we should do with this money, I don't know anything about you when you ask something like that. So, you know, I'd love to be able to help, but I can't. But there are people out there that can help. And often people as well will go and speak to the likes of James and his team at Lighthouse Financial, go back and check some of their webinars too. 
to catch a vibe with them. Did you know that on paper, Warren Buffett, oh, I've got Warren Buffett, oh, shit, I better change this, lost an estimated $25 billion US in the financial panic of 2008. $25 billion. But on paper, remember? Now, this cost him his title as the world's richest man. Do you think he gave a fuck about that? Like, I don't think he actually cares about that. That's from the New York Times. But anyway, he's more than recovered that with the right habits and patience. That's why it's important to not just focus on number go up. It's important to focus on habits. Because, look, his habits to continue to invest, to continue what he'd always done, to stay patient, he's more than recovered that $25 billion that he lost in 2008 because he didn't really lose it, he lost it on paper. Because going back to this, the markets are constantly repricing things, and that is grunty way for you to understand a shitload about the economy. See you on the next episode of Money Mail. Go!